Welcome to Style Section, the Wise Guy Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And we are here for, hoo-hoo-hoo boy, uh, two very fun episodes. One of which is, um, I'm not saying it doesn't have a plot by any means, but I'm saying it might be one of the most, like, just character-intensive episodes we've seen from the show that's just 100% not about what's going, like, not about moving the mechanical plot forward, although there is some of that in there, uh, but it is fundamentally just about who these characters are and what they're going through in a very interesting way. Yes, and it's a most unpleasant episode as well. <laughs> yeah, there's both this week have their own details, but they're both very good. Oh, I, they're, they're both very good episodes. Like, any any negative comment I make about... Oh, it's so unpleasant. It oh, has rough. nothing to do with with but, yeah the quality of the episode. The quality of the episode is just they do it so well. Yeah. Do they ever? And um, I well okay. I mean, why don't we just start with? We'll the get first right one. into it. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Smoky Mountain Requiem, episode three of the Prophet Arc. <laughs> All right, so it starts off uh, very much in the aftermath of what's been going on before this, because Vinny is not excited about remaining. Okay, well, what you need to do is it opens with the black and white sequence. Yes. Doesn't it? Yes. No. Uh, well, no, no, yes. It opens with the black and white sequence set in the past to introduce us to a character, the significance of which will be important later. Because right. I thought that was really like I thought, just just to to start it that way makes the episode more poignant and Absolutely. more your analysis of Mel and yeah. Susan even worse. Like like what this show is doing is slowly but surely creating these people and every episode they get just a little bit worse oh absolutely and so that's what that that first thing is setting up and i thought it was really nice doing it in black and white oh yeah no that was okay. a smart choice so i know and it's very good because they introduced to him being because we get the background of the guy who's in jail right we mm -hmm. get the background of the guy who's in jail and the fact that he was sent there by Mel and Susan Prophet, and we don't really find out why. And yes, how they did it and why they did it. Yeah, well, we get a little bit of the how they did it because yeah. we hear He's that in jail. Uh, <laughs> not only is he in jail, but the fact that like uh, he was hired to run Moonshine, and he, as he said, like I knew ever, I thought I knew every single like back row, but it doesn't matter because Mel and Susan told the cops I was coming. Mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter that i knew how to escape the fact that they told the cops i was coming means they were waiting for me and he got 30 years in prison for running moonshine yeah. but hey first uh, offense but the first for his first offense ever but hey he'll be out in 10 with good behavior <laughs> yeah and then we'll find oh out later God. on well yeah times. we'll get there but what's so interesting about it right is as you say right away they're introducing to uh, us to this world 
through the consequences yes of their actions Mm -hmm. and i think you're right that's a really smart thing to do yeah because you know it's we have so far seen mel doing sort of things and ordering things oh yeah now we're seeing some of the consequences of what he does and susan in particular because susan you always think that the driving force no matter what is said to you yeah right in in the previous episodes the previous two mel episodes you still think of mel as the driving force of all of as the driving force of all of this yeah and slowly you're seeing that susan is the driving force yeah she's pushing him yeah and um that's if if this series well i'm gonna say if i'm not gonna say if it absolutely does uh if the whole series has a problem right it's that there aren't enough female characters and until amber who you'll meet in season two not a ton of thought is given into writing the characters because the biggest problem I would say this with this half of the year of television, like you look at the first half of the year, Sunny Steel Grave, there's no women in that story. No. There's a woman in the entire story, and then the woman Sonny's gonna marry, and that's that's really it for women in the entire season. Here, there's a woman central to the whole thing, and yeah. I am sad to say that I don't think we ever get to know Susan as much as we should. Um, and this is, this is my problem. Like I was watching this and it's, well, I mean, Canal is not known for, for writing female characters at all. No, at all. I mean, there are some, some people, some writers who can write females yeah, and, and, uh, and make it very realistic Susan is sort of realistic uh, in compare, but she is still very stylized. Sometimes she comes across and I still can't figure out, and we'll talk about this when we get to the end of the arc, Yeah, whether, whether she is, because she has this, wears clothes that are kind of little girly yeah. and she has this kind of little girly thing. Is this a put on on her part, or is this the just not writing her well enough? Well, I would argue, or the think, actress, or it's an actress. Act- yeah, so you're right. It can be a choice the actress is making. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm not sure Joan Severance was the best choice, but yeah, I mean the thing is, uh, let's face it. Like in this episode. It's clear that Vinny is falling for uh, for Susan Prophet. And the problem is, at this point in the show, they've had one scene together. Yeah. And I think this relationship would work so much better if it had more room to breathe. Like, if we had more episodes with Mel and Susan. Like, if... The whole first season had been about Sonny Steelgrave, and the whole second season had been Mel and Susan Prophet and Roger Lococo, right? I I think they would have had the chance to like really do what this is, and in a in a modern like thirteen episode a year prestige cable version of this show, that's exactly what we'd be getting. 
yeah, we'd be getting we'd be getting more in both of those because thirteen episodes yeah. just adds an extra four to this one, mm-hmm. this arc, and would have added another what? Yeah, four or five to the to the Steel Grave arc. Yeah, exactly. So it would have allowed them to do a little more explanation um, expansion yeah. Yeah, on their I- characters, even if they had stopped it at ten. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's I it's still a new format but i think i mean there is a real attempt i think to we'll talk about this when we get to the second one but let's get back to uh, smoky mountain requiem yeah <laughs> requiem it was because you immediately then move back to vancouver you get the black and white and i yeah. just didn't want to miss that one and then you get Back to Vancouver. <laughs> and we get the scene we've been talking uh, about this whole time. <laughs> oh, God, help us. I can yeah. remember the first time I watched it, and I wondered if they're, they were in, of course. Yeah. Are they in Paris? Like, I just assumed the first time I watched it that Paris was the place that they were calling I know, it. right? You know? They're going and, to the George Sank Hotel. Everybody's speaking French. He seems like he acts like he's on the moon. Like, it's Vancouver. <laughs> it's not an exotic city. And I don't think there's a George Sank Of course hotel there's not a George Van- Sank Hotel in Vancouver. Well, you never know. They might have expanded. I'm sure there but might the have George been. But the George Sank, yeah. and there isn't even one in, in Montreal. Montreal. No. Like, it is the one of the premier hotels yeah of paris so of course i'm assuming until you get to this bizarre part right yeah you know, and you because because of course he's going to meet frank at the hotel vancouver yeah in the Pauli room yeah okay yeah that makes sense yep okay yeah but the yeah. george sank the george sank no hey i agree <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I uh, and there's there's no ex- explain it like this whole scene. No. Well, no, I mean the explanation is this is all supposed to be set in Montreal. But like, even set in, we've already talked about this. But even set in Montreal, it's preposterous. It's preposterous. Of course, it's absolutely preposterous that there's anywhere in. But the thing is, people. I mean, you got to remember this is an audience of Americans and. People understand that Montreal is French, right? And so I think we, um, I, I think we can allow them the cheat that if this were actually set in Montreal, right? We can we can say, okay, well, it's set in Montreal, so of course there are going to be a bunch of people in a nice big international hotel who only speak French. Now you and I, people who have lived in Montreal, know that's insane. But, like, the average American person watching this, and the American people writing it, when it was in set in Montreal, I think you can accept that that would be their belief of how the world works, right? I don't think it's that preposterous. Now, that said, <laughs> it is ridiculous. It is, like, obviously ridiculous that that's the case. And there's there's no other way to describe it. I'm not saying I don't enjoy it. It doesn't hurt the episode, but as a Canadian, as someone who's, you know, whose family is from Montreal, who lived in Montreal himself, it's, it's kind of preposterous. Just you sit there and go, 
Oh yeah. And they yeah. um but and then you get this very weird scene. So he goes up and you get this uh cute little scene where some Japanese businessmen think that, you know, this this six three muscle man must be a professional wrestler. It's pretty cute. That was cute. Yeah. The old uh I didn't know they had wrestling here. I, I did really enjoy that. Yes. Uh right, but and while that's funny, then you get this very weird scene where Vinny goes to call Frank, right, instead of, uh, so call lifeguard, say they should meet, and set up the meeting with Frank. And you get this weird scene where he looks down, and the next room down, there's a guy wearing a turban watching Casablanca. Oh, I was going to say, okay, I, what has that got to do what with What does that anything? mean? You know, like, he's, because then he decides he's got to call. Okay, so there's this Sikh man sitting in a hotel room watching Casablanca. Yeah. Now, Casablanca does come up again. Well, no, and I, I think it's supposed to be thematically but, re resonant, and that's why they bring up Casablanca again. But I'll damned if I can tell you what it means. I know. <laughs> well, two worlds colliding, remember? In yeah. the next episode. That's true. Like, isn't it, It's funny. It's not in this episode. It's in the next episode that what i don't even know who the hell brings it up yeah about worlds you know about casablanca and oh oh i know yeah it's when it's when roger says yeah all yeah all, everybody comes to ricks everybody, everybody comes, comes to ricks yes. yeah. everybody comes to ricks yeah and it's so weird and Vinny they... looks Vinny looks at him doesn't know what he's talking about and he said you know, and so he says, you know, world's colliding. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going, but we were supposed to remember that he was watching, watching Casablanca. Casablanca a week ago. I guess this we are. guy in a hotel room. Yeah. And it is the end scene of, of um, you could see it. It's, it's uh, the end scene where um, Humphrey Bogart and... Oh, no, no, it's not the end scene. It's the, the scene they show is the scene when everyone starts singing uh, the Marseillaise Oh, that's bar. right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's it's, right. The, it's yes. the resistance scene where everybody's yeah. singing the Marseillaise, what even does though that... the Nazis are there. I know. Okay. What does that have to do with what's going on? I don't know where. Unless somebody decided they were going to do a Sikh terrorism plot. That's definitely not what they meant. <laughs> that's 100%. You can't read it that way. But you are right that you go looking for the crazy you answers because it's such because it's such a weird thing to include in the show because it's like they had to pay the for the rights to that like that was obviously when they wrote it a meaningful inclusion and you kind of feel like I generally have a good idea what's going on in this show but this one I'm just at a loss no yeah, it's very weird no at right. all. So, just just a, a fun thing we like about the show and notice. So anyway, he goes to see Frank and he says, I want out. And so at this point, we got to assume that he's been there a few months. Again, the show will never, uh, the show will never be good about explaining timelines. Oh, God, and when Roger, it is good, these... it will contradict itself. That's right. Well, with these two, with these two, Roger has been with Mel for a year. Or he's been with Mel him for three years. Two years or three yeah, two years. Two or three years. Yeah. Because he okay, was, uh, but we'll talk about that in the second yeah. episode. Because he full on yeah. says, "I've known Mel for a year," and then next week, it's like they realize how weird that sounded based on his position. So the very next week, we know he's been there at least two years. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, like it's it's very weird how inconsistent they are. Yeah. On that subject. Now again, that's not a major problem, but it's definitely weird. It's definitely weird like somebody messed up in the writing room. Yeah, that's honestly what it feels like. It yeah. feels like somebody messed up in the writing room. You know, and, and they have to go and, back and, they, and nobody hey, it yeah, nobody yeah. caught and it. Nobody at the caught time. it at the time. And then all of a sudden you're going, Oh shoot. Yeah. Well, no, and that's the thing. It's like and they specifically in the second episode, well, we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. So when we get he there. wants to quit. He's been there three months, and all he knows is he's been, you know, roughing up drug dealers. He's been, you know, scare he's been muscle for the mob. He's been scaring people. He's been protecting a drug organization, but that's all he knows at this point. Yeah. And he doesn't really see the reason, uh, any value in staying there because he can't get any, he can't see a way to get, a, get in any deeper. And besides the point, like he's, he's in Vancouver. He has no legal, like Mel doesn't really live in America, right? Oh. He doesn't really live anywhere. So, and Canada doesn't seem desperate to arrest this guy and the CIA can't touch him. So what is the point of having a federal agent there? Like just watching the guy commit crimes and like you totally get where he's coming from and so Shagrass from the cia says uh no you absolutely can't leave 100 percent, you absolutely can't leave like this is the furthest in we've ever gotten with this kind of international criminal like this kind of major drug dealer and frank of course is on Vinny's side because he doesn't want to be in vancouver anymore either no <laughs> and i mean it seems kind of selfish but he specifically brings up that it's like um and the future will specifically bring up that, like, he just doesn't get to go home anymore. You know, he doesn't get to have a life anymore. He is just full-time working ever with Vinny on this one case ever since this started. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting idea because it's not something you think about that much. No. Yeah, very, uh, pretty good scene. So he goes to Roger's place in Vancouver to quit. And goes to Roger's place in Vancouver to quit. And uh, Roger... Uh, gives us one of these speeches, and we love Roger's speeches. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not ashamed to say it. I adore it when Roger makes speeches. It's one of my favorite things about the show. Well, uh, yeah. But he just starts talking about how, like, you know what? Nothing in the world makes sense anymore. Yeah, so. Nothing in the world, you know, there's, uh, like, the Mel world's crumbling. <laughs> Mel is crazy. And if you, uh, if I tell him you're quitting... You get that great moment where he says, uh, he will, he will run that over in his head over and over again until he thinks you're in the FBI. And then he will tell me to kill you. you, Which I will do. Will do. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So it's like, you want out of here, you got to tell him yourself. Yep. Oh, such a good scene. And then, so we get a scene where Mel explains, like who he is and what they do and why like the why yeah. of it all and that that's when we get into thomas Malthus, which is not a thing you'd ever think you were gonna say about Again. a nighttime drama in 1988 <laughs> now let's talk about malthusianism uh, okay what is okay. that well are you familiar with the character ebenezer scrooge all of his thoughts about the world, and this is true, all of his thoughts about the way the world work were written based on 
Dickens's disgust with Thomas Malthus's theories and the fact that Thomas Malthus's theories were under like underpinning all of what the British government was doing about the poor. Yeah. The whole concept of there being a surplus population who has to be thrown in jails or occupied in workhouses or let's face it, starved to death. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like that line in, um, in a Christmas Carol about reduce the ideally great. That will reduce the surplus population. That's literally a quote of something Malthus said. Oh yeah. So when you say that you're a Malthusian, a Malthusian, you have just admitted to being just the worst person imaginable. Yeah, and you you get the explanation. Oh yeah, he explains it, and um, the and it's it's an interesting look at the world, like what his belief about how the world works, which I found very interesting. The idea that there are, um, there are an infinite so number of people, but there's only enough food to go around, and the only thing that keeps everybody from starving to death is that all over the world there's constantly wars going on. Which, yeah. wow, <laughs> okay, the big one for him. Yeah. yeah, exactly, because he's not really a drug dealer. Drugs are how they made their first few million dollars, and then they moved into international contraband. Yep. You know, uh, and you get that wonderful maps, uh, uh, that, that wonderful map on the wall, like showing all of the deals they're doing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which I really enjoyed. Right, you got all of the deal. Uh, you got all of the deals they're doing. It's it's a nice system. Like it's it's a nice speech. It's really well written. I think it's just a fantastic part of the episode. I'm I was blown away by how well, and, well done that part of it is. And the speeches don't sound didactic. I mean, no, that's the beauty of the writing. Yeah. Right. It is sounds it like it's just honestly coming out of this man's mouth. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, you know. I mean, as crazy as it may sound, it does sound like he's thinking about it yeah like he's thought all of this through and this is like the only way the world makes sense to him is this and, lens and you can understand it because he is because of the life he's been leading oh yeah that the life from the time he was a child mm -hmm. you know practically a baby still yep two like, years like, old two years old when he was essentially you know abandoned by whoever his parents were yeah, and a baby sister. And his baby sister. Like so yeah, like in, in a world where that kind of thing happens to children on the regular, which is the world we live in, you understand him coming up with this completely awful the world is nothing but cruelty and we just all have to uh, you know, survive as best we can in it. And in fact you know, it's like do whatever we can to thrive within the misery that we're all forced to live in. Like Yeah. It's completely an internally consistent worldview. <laughs> yeah. Like 100%. Doesn't make yeah. you happy to think about it, but it is a 100% consistent worldview. Well, this is, but, you know, there are lots of consistent worldviews that are antithetical to the way I think. Of course. And I think that that, and this is one of them. Like, this is just antithetical to everything that I think that we should be trying to do in Dude. terms of the world, right? Well, and the thing is, you know what the, one of the funny parts about Malthus is? That, uh, first off, it's not every man for himself, anyone who's ever thought no. that doesn't understand it's... the entire history of human civilization. 
is like just about how we only accomplish things by cooperating. That's just a fact. But what what I find interesting about his Malthus obsession is you can make the argument that Malthus was right about uh, we pump out babies 10 times faster than we grow food to feed them. That wasn't wrong necessarily until uh, until fertilizer was invented. Then after fertilizer was invented, the world now, and I mean, it was this fertilizer is a 19th century invention, so it was true by the time, you know, Mel was born. So he's just out of touch. But the fact is, for the entire past 110, 120 years, right, we have had more food than there are hungry people in the world. Like, more food than we could ever possibly need. And in fact, enough food... And to keep food, keep food prices up, you dump it. And you pay people not to grow You pay people not to grow things, and you dump food. And right now, the world, like, essentially, there are 7 billion people in the world. And right now, every year, the world grows. I mean, it is not crazy to say... Uh, like 10 billion people worth of food, right? And then, you know, uh, essentially a third of all the food grown every year just gets thrown away in order to keep prices stable. So in case you're wondering why people are starving in the world right now when it seems like we live in an age of plenty, the answer is, as always, capitalism. It's because of capitalism. Capitalism did it. And Mel is nothing if not an avatar of unrestrained capitalism. Oh, geez, maybe that's why they're having problems with my outline for my course. Because you're attacking capitalism? <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> no, you are. Like you're, She's uh, pitching a course right now about unions in movies and television and how they're presented and organizing. And it's, it sounds great, but maybe that's why the university doesn't want to let people do the course. All right, so know. speaking of Never capitalism, mind. they head down to Vol- Valdusta Ridge, right, yeah. Tennessee. Uh, which we find out is where Mel and Susan uh, got kicked out after they got out of jail. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. And Mel, presumably, because he was so much uh, older than her, had like a year or two to set things up before she got out. And he quickly got into the drug trade and became a minor league drug kingpin there. And then had the brilliant idea, which I kind of love this, had the brilliant idea to start bringing drugs, right, try, start flying drugs into Tennessee from Central uh, Central and South America instead of trying to get into Miami. So he paid off the FAA and he paid off all the local authorities. And so once, once a month, a great big plane full of cocaine lands, uh, lands in Tennessee. And that's where all of their money came from for the first couple of years of their organization. Then they moved into... Uh, then they moved into arms dealing and international contraband, and they found a guy named Willie Jesus to take over the organization. And it was supposed to work like a regular franchise. Again, to use the capitalism, the normal business capitalism term, but it is expressed that way. Like, I'm not, my using these terms is not coming out of nowhere. This is the world the show is living in, right? So yeah. the idea is they set up, they gave him a franchise, they say, run this. You know, and you'll be unbelievably rich and you just have to pay, kick, you just have to kick the money upstairs and you just have to kick the uh, money upstairs like you do in every kind of business like this. And what has happened is Willie Jesus doesn't want to kick the money upstairs anymore. Yeah. And so he has sent Mel down. Sorry, he has sent, uh, he sends Vinny and 
Roger, Mel sends Vinny and Roger down to sort it out. And that's the premise of the episode. <laughs> Is them going to sort it out and find out what's going on. And it's great because they get picked up at the airport by Rance Howard. Howard. <laughs> Ronnie's, who, Ronnie's daddy. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie Howard's dad, who the older Ron Howard gets, the more he looks like his daddy. Yeah. <laughs> You can definitely see it's his father. 100%. Like, the, the first time I saw this, when Ron Howard was still a relatively young-looking uh, Ron Howard, but now that he's bald, now that he's, you know, got some wrinkles on his face, he looks uncannily like his old man. Yeah. <laughs> he really does. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I thought that was a nice, it's a nice thing to see. So it turns out this is the father, and the mother's there as well, right, mm -hmm. of the guy who was put in jail in the beginning. And essentially, he had, they have this giant, they have this giant uh, area of land, mm -hmm. and he wants to run his cocaine shipping organization on their land, and that's why he set the. Uh, that's why he set up the sun. The idea being, throw him in jail forever. He'll get out in six years. We'll make sure he gets out in six years, right? We'll make sure he gets out in six years, even sooner than they said. But you gotta let us run our drugs that entire time is the deal they offer, and of course they have no choice but to accept this. And we get this great scene where the two of them walk in, where uh, where Vinny and Roger walk in, and you know they meet the they meet Lottie, his wife, and they say hi. And then you get this great reveal that the whole during the whole conversation, Lottie had a revolver. Yeah, right, <laughs> just under just her seat, just in case, just in case something took a turn, because they're terrified. They are understandably yeah. terrified of Mel because of what he did to them, and so they thought, oh, great, these are scary guys and then we find out that like all of these gangsters are literally just like living in trailers right on this otherwise active farm it's a very strange and the old the old chicken coop has been turned into or maybe it's the slaughterhouse who knows has been turned into the place where they cut and package the drugs and we see all the people in there working at that and it's like it's an entire drug factory in the middle of this farm and again a really great, like a, a stunning image that sticks with you. Yep. Yeah, just such a good part of the episode. Well, but then again, are there any bad parts to the episode? No. Oh, it's fantastic. And now we find out, so they meet Willie A. Seuss. He says, uh... <laughs> Forget yeah, it. He Mel says, we're, we're out of money. Me. He promised me riches, and I don't have any riches. I'm just stuck here in Tennessee. But the thing is... Like, we know what organization Willie Jesus is running. He's getting, you know, half a ton of cocaine once a month. And he's packaging yeah. and shipping out. There is no, and he's like, and he, he does the insane thing of saying overhead, go, you know, costs go up, profit doesn't go up, so we get cut out. It's like, you know he's lying. Yeah. And he knows he's lying, and they know he's lying. He's just taking the money and keeping it for himself, because he figures there's nothing he can do about it, because... And this is the, the the subtext, but it's clearly there. Willie has taken over all of the parts of, uh, uh, like all of the bribery. Like it's Willie who's playing the, paying the judges now. It was Willie, like, because it's established that the prosecutors, the judge, the cops, all of them are one hundred percent corrupt, and on Mel Prophet's tab. But Mel Prophet has taken his eye on the ball, and now Willie off is the, the one off. Sorry, taking his eye off the ball. And now Willie's the one making all those payments, so Willie is who they're loyal to. Yeah. 
It's a very, uh, and it's they're this weird position because there's literally nothing Mel can do other than, like, call the feds on Willie or have Willie killed. Like, Willie knows he's got no options and he's got not scared because he's got a bunch of guys with guns and he doesn't think Mel's going to bring an army down <laughs> to Valdosta Ridge, Tennessee. Right? Which is nice. Uh, but at the same time, uh, he uh, he honestly doesn't see how crazy Mel is. Well, no, because he basically doesn't see Mel much. No, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, he hasn't seen Mel in ages. Yeah, Mel just abandoned uh, this whole thing to him and said, "You go, you go, make it work." Which is, you know, that's that. To be fair, that is how. Um, what do you call it? Uh, I'm blanking on the word here. This is this is such an embarrassing word to forget. This is um, delegation. It is how delegation works. Well, and it's how franchises technically should work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Franchises and delegation. That's what this is all about. And the question is, well, is is there anything after that scene? Is there anything they can do about it? And I guess there really isn't. So they're just told to sit there and wait and follow orders. And this is where we get your important scenes with uh, where you get really great scenes where Roger and Vinny get to talk to one another. Yeah. And these are good scenes. These are good scenes when the two of them are just hanging out and chatting with each other because you get him genuine, like you finally we see Roger like genuinely uncomfortable with something he's about to do, like he's supposed to do because v Vinny fills on uh, telling him, tells him I'm not going to kill these people. No. Like, no matter what Mel says, full stop, I'm not going to kill these people, and you're going to do whatever you're going to do, but I am not doing this. Yeah. Which is, again, another great moment for Vinny. And, of course, you got Roger going through the exact same thing at the same time. Because, again, Roger really does have a vibe of being a dead-eyed monster. But fundamentally, we see in this scene, he's not that different from Vinny. He might actually, like, we don't get any details, we don't know what's happening, but he might actually have his own code, is what we get out of this scene. And you get the vitally important sequence where Vinny tells him, you can just leave. And yeah. Roger's response is, if I leave now, too much changes. And we have no idea what that means. But, and Vinny immediately notices that that's a weird thing for Roger to have said. Yeah. But he doesn't, like, he doesn't harp on it. He doesn't, you know, ask what that meant. It just kind of drifts, just like it drifts, just like he lets it drift when Roger says that he, uh, uh, that he spent a bunch of time in South, Amer South and Central America. Again, important stuff is showing up in the dialogue, but the thing that's, like, we're so focused on the plot of the episode, you could not notice it until you've watched it a hundred times the way we have. <laughs> yeah, all these little tiny... These little lines here and there that are all adding coming. up to something. And that's the key part. Like, they're building to something, but the show is very coy about what it is in a way that, again... I absolutely adore. Well, yeah, uh, because you, you get the whole business of his, they could be my grandparents. 
Yep. And he's very upset because, you know, it, it, Mel Mel does take a scorched earth. Yeah. Mel shows up in Tennessee, finally. Yeah. And you get a, a really great moment there, right? Where Vinny says, uh, where Mel says, just kill everybody. Yeah. Fine. And Vinny asks, okay, well, what does Susan say about this? Yeah. He wants to know where Susan is. Yeah. Like, what does Susan say about we just kill everybody? And Mel's like, Susan's off, you know, doing a blood doping. Just follow my orders. Which is, it's it's weird because there's an acknowledgement there where he's not actually, like, insulted by the idea that Susan would have to be read in on this situation. Like, he doesn't give them, he doesn't give Vinny a, it doesn't matter what Susan says, I just told you what to do. Like, the idea that Susan gets to weigh in on this stuff is not questionable at all. Like, uh, like Vinny and, uh, and Mel both acknowledge in that scene that Susan's every bit as much in charge of this organization as Mel is. And again, I find that really interesting. Well, yes, definitely it is interesting. I think that Susan, though what Vinny doesn't want to take, is, yeah. of course, Mrs. Rance Howard. Points out that, yeah, assessment she's a, that she's a Susan. devil who can get men to do anything that she wants. Yep. And you know what? There's a truth to that. There yep. is absolutely a truth to that. Like she is uh, Mrs. Rance Howard, Lottie, uh, <laughs> no Dottie, Dottie, uh, Dottie. Like she's right about her. That's yep. the interesting thing. Like she's not wrong though. Nope. Yeah, and I mean, Vinny is absolutely the victim of that. Like one hundred percent. Or, or, well, no, he, yeah. they canonically, like, they do the whole dream sequence this episode, yes. if you've forgotten. Oh, that's This is right. where he has yes. the dream sequence about being obsessed with, uh, with her. So it's like, yeah. it's all coming up in this episode. And so now, we, but at the same time, and this is the, uh, the wonderful part, uh, we see that Vinny has told Frank about the, the son and said, okay, well, you've gotta, like, you gotta get this kid out of jail. Yeah. Like, it's insane. He got 30 years in jail for a first offense for running moonshine. Like, yeah. there's no planet under which this is an appropriate right. level of yeah. punishment for the crime he committed. This is all obviously a scam. Yeah. And so then we get put in this position, well, okay, what's he going to do about it? And so they rush and start pulling strings, and we see both, um, what do you call it, uh, both Charles and frank making calls so you know charles is on side finally like charles yeah. finally seems like he's on side which is a nice moment making calls to try and get this out of jail and uh we get a, a scene of Vinny and uh Vinny. i'm already laughing of uh, Vinny and roger doing chores around the farm mm -hmm. which i thought was a lot of fun i thought that was a nice little bit of comic relief yeah a little bit of comic relief in an otherwise pretty bleak episode yep uh which is pretty nice and you get this great scene where uh when and roger gets one of my favorite lines he ever has which is you know looking at uh willie jesus and saying that it's uh if i don't get a chance to kill that guy it's going to be a major disappointment in my life <laughs> <laughs> god you're okay. fantastic roger 
Oh, he's so wonderful. All right. And so then what happens? Oh, the sun shows up. Yes. Uh, he gets out of jail and he rushes home and he has used his time in jail to become a giant scary muscle man. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the first thing we see about him is being him being sexually assaulted in prison and understanding that if he wants to survive, he has to become as tough and as scary as possible. And then we see the result of that belief later in the episode. So again, yeah. it's a nice structure to the episode. They, they've structured this episode beautifully, is what it comes down to. Uh, he says, uh, he essentially finds out that these guys are from Mel. This makes him want to kill them, quite understandably. <laughs> he has... There's a lot of unresolved stuff with Mel. Uh, I think, you know, who would who would begrudge him that attitude? Uh, <laughs> but of course, really, what he wants is for his family to let go, be set free and for Willie Jesus to get gone. So yeah. they go over there. They go to talk to Willie. And, they, and he says, you got to get out. The deal was till I was out of jail. It's out of jail. Be a man of your word. Get out of here. And of course, Willie says, ah, no, it was six years. You still got another two years left yeah. before I have to, you know, according to our contract. As if he was ever going to leave. Yeah, as if. As if the man was ever going to go anywhere. Uh, and this leads to a fight scene where, and I can't believe this was on television. But the sun turns Willie's head 180 degrees around. <laughs> I know. Am I watching Hannibal suddenly? <laughs> he just grabs him and twists his head around. Yep. And that's how well... the fight starts. <laughs> that's not the climax. And Roger grabs uh, a stir stick out of Willie's drink and stabs a man in the neck with it, killing him. Ah. Uh... <laughs> And then Rance Howard comes out with his uh, his Molotov cocktails and sets the trailer on, trailer fire, on fire and knocks it over, killing more people. And then we get um, our great moment where Roger has the shotgun and Rance is there and the son is there and the Dottie's there. And he's like, and you get this moment where Vinny really thinks Roger's going to kill them because that's what yeah. he was ordered to do. Yeah, but we we've seen what Rogers is going Roger is going through, and he just can't do it, and he runs off. And then we get, uh, and then we go back to, uh, and then we go back to Vancouver. And <laughs> <laughs> I know. After all that, he just goes back to Vancouver, and he makes and Vinny makes a very good case that it's like there's no reason. Like, I understand I was ordered for Scorched Earth, but it's like, Willie Jesus is done, the organization's done, there's no evidence linking you to any of them. There's no reason to kill that family except to, uh, right, uh, except to protect your own ego. Yeah. And he's right. Like, there is no reason to kill them. It's like, they've got no proof. They're not going to be able to do anything to him so what is the reason to kill them other than because he's angry yeah and so he says don't kill him and pointedly this could have gone a lot worse but sue is there this time yeah and i guess that's all it takes to be able to uh, all right she does like Vinny, and that's all it takes to back mel off 
is Sue being there to put in a word? Well, yes. And, and, and of course, the discussions on Malthus. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> One more time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it is, it is fascinating to listen to it, to, to kind of how they're putting all of this together and how Mel is such a mercurial person. Character. Yeah. Yeah. That this is. Yeah. He can hear that and be like, fine. Great. I just want this to be over now. Yeah. Yeah. I got to move on to the next thing. It's done. Okay. Those poor people can live their poor lives and run moonshine if they want to. Yeah. And uh, a thing that I thought was key is while he's doing that in that scene, we get another unbelievably important uh, line of dialogue from uh, an unbelievably important line of dialogue from Roger, which is the problem here is subcontractors. Yes. <laughs> you know, if you want to do if you want to do this kind of thing, you have to organize it from the soil to the street. You have to own everything. And, uh, and of course, uh, Mel just rolls his eyes at this idea. Like, oh, great, I'm surrounded by geniuses who tell me how to do my business. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, but again, stuff is being laid for later and you don't even realize it. No. It's, and that's why the show's so good. And this is why we like certain shows better than others. And if they <laughs> do a successful job, Mm -hmm. of re you know giving you all the clues you can go back and watch it yeah and then say oh yeah it was oh, all there it was all there there are no shocks when you nope. get to the end nothing comes out of the blue it all fits perfectly yeah yeah and again it's it's just the genius of this show specifically the show because again yeah. who else was doing this kind of work at this time who else was doing the shows with this kind of layering of the stories at this time nobody was doing it. well actually no because when did babylon 5 start that was 1993 the 90s. yep that was so the 90s. after wise guy that's my yeah. point so somebody is, was willing yeah no people were ta willing to take a chance on long form storytelling after wise guy proved it could be done that's yeah. why my whole theory here is that Wise Guy invented modern television. Yeah. Because everybody was willing to take a chance on this after Wise Guy did it first. All right. And this brings us to our second episode, uh, Player to be Named Now, which, <sighs> yeah, this is as rough as it gets. What a horrible, horrible, horrible yeah. oh, essay, um, episode. And yeah in terms of women in the treatment of women. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, okay. I mean, like, you know, I know they're commenting on it, but, and I know they're indicting this culture, but Jesus, it's rough to watch. It's rough to watch. And it's, it's, as I said, and the funny thing is, is that this morning when I was working on some of my PowerPoints, I, I ran across, you know, I'm putting together sort of my quote, Jenna Jameson, 25 reasons not to be a porn star right right um and you know i don't know if i'll be using it but sometimes i think I, I, it depends on the class depends yeah, on where the class goes 
uh, whether whether we will get into those issues of pornography and censorship, and you never know because we'll end up with incel stuff and I know, Oof. and um, and of course, sexual harassment, the Me Too movement, and things. Because oh yeah, of course. that is it's all your relevant. Fifth wave, maybe, maybe, yeah. but um, so the plot of the episode. Get this. Is, get let's oh, yeah. get back. Let's to get this. into it. And it's so the almost, plot of the episode. Oh please. Continue. No, I was just going to say, I don't, I don't even know which plot you want, right? Like, when I'm thinking the plot of the episode, the only thing I can really think of is that poor model. And well, Roger, yeah, that's the plot I'm talking about. Yeah, and, and Roger trying yep. to make her see sense. Oh, yeah. And so the episode essentially kicks off. The thing that uh, is basically the inciting incident is there is... A model shows up at Roger's house, yeah. uh, Roger's apartment, and this is the second time we've seen Roger's uh, Roger's place and his uh, and his mute and his mute Asian uh, housekeeper, who is a surprisingly important character, uh, who's a much more important character than you'd assume she would be. Yes, she eventually becomes very important. Yeah, she actually becomes a very important character, but that's a conversation we'll have. In a few more go. episodes. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah. And, and you so see, she, of course, of course, please. Roger is still, I mean, Roger's part-time hobby is making metal sculptures. Yeah. That's what he does to unwind. Unwind. Yeah. And I think that's key, right? Again, it's key in understanding Roger because again, he's taking garbage and he's trying to build something out of it. Because yeah. if you look at the parts, it's literally sculptures make he's making out of scrap metal. And again, that's not thematically accidental. No. Like, that is not an accident thematically. The, the, the medium he works in is trash. Because yeah. that's the world he... That's what he thinks of the world he lives in. Right? And again, very interesting how they're using design elements to establish this. Yeah. Okay. So she comes up and she says, I want back in. I want to go to the parties again. I want to be part of the world that Mel lives in again. And Roger is, thinks this is an insane idea. He says, you've got to go. And is, and is unusually kind. And he does it in the most dickish possible way. Like he's a real jerk about it. But as he says to Vinny, it's it's for her best like it's in her best interest to stay as far away from these people as possible. And well, Vinny, Vinny, Vinny sees... of all people should know that because Vinny sees Roger doing the thing he does to scare people off, which is throwing ball bearings at them inches away from their head from a bowl he keeps around. Yeah, and which is a inter... follow up on the just to be fair, which is a follow up in the previous episode where he. Uh, where he tells Vinny that someone can kill with anything. Yeah. And again, that's vitally important for later. Everything well, the, is setting things up. Yeah. Everything. And the really interesting line from, from, oh, now what was from the scene? going to say? From the scene. What was the really interesting line from, from the scene with Roger? Oh, no, is when the girl, that there are two of them. Yeah. The girl says, him, th what's wrong with Rogers? Something's wrong because he used to be able to split somebody's hair. Split people's hair with it, yeah. 
And she also points out that usually Mel, because she'd known Mel uh, for quite, she'd seen Mel quite a while too. And he's, and she's like, it's always a whole crop of new people every year. Yeah. So it's weird that Roger is still there. Yes. And she finds, and then, and then of course, um, Vinny has the line and I'm not sure that it's necessarily, you know, it's a, it's a strange line. And so appropriate sort of for Vinny. Yeah. But when he's, when she says something about um, why she asks, well, why would he do that? And Vinny goes, no, his question is why would someone let him? Yeah. Yeah. Vinny does not understand the attraction of this life. That is no. the one thing when he wanted to get out in the last episode and even in this episode, he does not understand these parties and he does not understand the attraction of it, which is very different than the Sunny episodes. Yeah. Because he's much more comfortable in Sunny's world in, than he in is in that Roger's kind of, Well, yeah. not just, well, Mel's world, really. Mel's world, yeah. Mel's world. Roger just, I mean, who yeah, knows? Roger what just Roger works is. there. Roger, yeah, Roger just, just works who the there. Hell, hell, you're right. Who the hell knows what Roger's into? Yeah. In fact, you know, I mean, we, we've already gotten the impression that he is bored with this particular life. Oh, yeah. And if you were to think about it at this point, you're just going, okay, then if he's so bored with it, why is he still there? Yep. And you again, know. well, that's coming. That's a coming. That's a coming. We are going to find out everything about Roger eventually. We just have to wait a little while longer. Yeah. Before but we get it. They're building the characters. And I love the... Be- oh, and then we get to the scene where Roger wakes Vinny up to go search for a bomb. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. He wakes him up to go search for a bomb. And, uh, of course, it turns out to just be a uh, just be a trick. Just be a trick by Mel to in order sure to his, uh, yeah, yes. make sure yeah, make sure the the what do you call it the his security guys are on top of yeah, things exactly like you know are are they sleeping on the job or are they actually paying attention so he planted a fake bomb in his own yacht yeah the man's the, the man is the worst yep and uh, and we find out that what and then we find out what all of this has been about uh, which is. Mel wants to buy a baseball team. <laughs> and again, they completely capture the like mercur how mercurial he is. Yeah. Where it's like suddenly the most important thing in the world to him is baseball. Like he and as Vinny says, like I've never heard about anything like this before. And but he like Mel, Kevin Spacey, sells it so well. Oh yeah. He sells the idea so well that it's like this is the one that the one good memory Mel has from his entire childhood is listening to baseball on the radio. And so he's always wanted to have his own team and like live the life of being around baseball. And as he says, playing on the team. And then he's like, just because just because you own the team doesn't mean you can play baseball on it. And he's like, you're wrong, Vinny. That's exactly what it means. It means, yes. I'm buying a team because that's the only way I could ever play professional baseball. Which is, again, such a charming thing about the character. And that's the genius of this episode. They let him be charming. 
in these early scenes so that the second half of the episode will be so much more impactful. Yeah. It's it's a brilliantly constructed episode. Oh, yeah, because, and it doesn't even, like, and Mel doesn't even get get sort of upset when he misses a ball or anything. He doesn't yeah. throw a temper tantrum or anything. No, that's all part of the game. And yeah. sometimes you win a ball. It was sometimes you sometimes, hit a ball, sometimes, sometimes you don't. You miss. Yeah, that's just yeah. that's just how the game works. And it's like it's the chillest we've seen him. Yep. Yeah, it's it's such a weird version of Mel we see in these scenes because it's like he seems genuinely happy and to not have an ulterior motive. Like, uh, he's not going to be moving drugs, <laughs> like using the baseball team as an excuse to move drugs or anything like that. It's not part of a scam. It's not part of a scheme. He genuinely just wants a baseball team. Yeah. Which is a, a, a twist for the character you don't really see coming. And so then he sends Roger and Vinny. Oh, uh, before that, though, we get a very interesting scene where in the car... And this is what comes out of nowhere. This is what we've been talking about this whole time. I guess Vinny and Susan are a couple now? Well, yeah, and it kind of, as you... It feels like it's out of nowhere. Yeah, out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Like, this this feels like it's coming out of nowhere. Because they're they're just making out in the car while they're waiting for Mel to get back. And I'm like, really? Okay. I feel... And again... A month has passed since the last episode in this world, but with a with the fact that he's now romantically involved, that he's sleeping with Susan at this point, literally one of his two bosses in this criminal organization, they're sleeping together. I feel like they needed to set that up a little more. Um, Don't yes. you? <laughs> no, I did. Like I'm still going. It doesn't. Is this? No, I did. Never. Buy it, shall we say? Yeah. And I think with more room to breathe, this like if the season was longer, if they had more episodes, if there were room to breathe, I feel like we wouldn't have had this problem with it. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. If you'd yeah. if you'd had <laughs> if you had some lead into it, yeah, because it really does seem to come. You know, out and nowhere. then all of a sudden you get you get Mel sort of, you know throwing an absolute temper tantrum yeah she's involved with Vinny. yeah he holds it in when they're all in the car together but the minute he's alone with susan he absolutely starts trashing the place and he can't handle it yeah and so uh, we know how he really feels and again mercurial mel goes you know from as happy as we've seen him to as furious we've seen him at the drop of a hat yeah yeah, no, it's, again, beautiful character work, a wonderful scene. Yep. No, just, wow. And it brings me to the uh, <laughs> the next bit, where they go, and we, we see him in the background, talking about how you've got a, uh, the, they want to make sure Eddie Van Platt is played by John Polito from all of the Coen Brothers movies, and just a wonderful character actor. He was in Highlander, of all things. Uh, they want to make sure that Eddie is at the, uh, sorry. The party. Uh, yeah, is at the party. Like, under everybody else is optional, they need to make sure Eddie is at the party, is what we're told. But we have, like, there is no statement about why, there is no statement about what's going on. All we know is 100% Eddie needs to be at the party. 
also Roger and Vinny are sent to burn down a uh, condo development. And they're sent to burn down a condo development in Vancouver. And we don't know the details. And there's a bit of chicanery, right? When, you know, uh, Vinny tries to keep it from happening by having cops driving by when they're supposed to do it. But then it turns out he gets the wrong, he's got the wrong address. And the show pointedly never states whether Mel gave Roger the wrong address or Roger gave Vinny the wrong address. Yeah. Yeah, we never, we never really know. find out who was suspicious of who or why. Yeah. In a very, again, a very interesting decision by the, by the, <laughs> in the episode to like keep it, keep the audience in the dark about this stuff. So yeah, very, very good. They burn the place down exactly as we, you know, exactly as was asked of them. And then we get out to the boat. And we finally find out what all this is about. Uh, the model wants back in the world. Right? The model wants back in the world. And, Ra you know, Vinny has brought her on the boat because she asked him nicely to. And Vinny has an incredibly difficult time turning down any woman anything. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he can't say no. I think it's fair to say that the man can't say no. <laughs> I guess uh, so, yeah. I, I think it's fair to say. I think that's a that's a true thing we can say about Vinny. He's not good at turning down women when they ask him to do things. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll talk about... Well, I mean, it factors into... Uh, he wants a woman to be in charge, and that partially explains his attraction... Uh, his attraction to Susie. Is this need to have, like, a woman in charge of things? Like, that's just fundamentally how he expects a uh, relationship with a woman to go. And that could be partially why he, you know, uh, is in no, like, is in no position to say no to this woman, which I really liked. So, uh, they're out of the bar. Eddie's attracted to this woman. And, uh, and Mel is trying to buy the team away from Eddie because Eddie is the one who owns the team that Mel wants. And as, uh, as Vinny says, I would not want to be someone who has something that Mel wants. That would be like, that is the worst position to be in. And so he sends the woman off with Eddie when Eddie refuses to sell. And he just offers him $10 million, $20 million, basically whatever he wants. He is offering Eddie whatever he wants in exchange for a baseball team. And Eddie's response is the best thing in the world is to have something that somebody wants and can't have. So he's essentially the same guy as Mel. Yep. He really is. They are not different people at all. Right? Fundamentally, they are the same guy. And again, that's an interesting thing to do there. And so now we finally found out uh, there's a great big storm out in the water. All of the guests are leaving. Uh, Roger makes sure that neither the model or Eddie are allowed to go. And, uh, woof! Oh, boy. Uh, they come back out of the, uh, the playroom where they've been having sex and find out that the boat's gone. And there's no way off of the yacht. The cigarette boat is gone. Helicopter can't land in this weather. There's no way off the yacht. And now Mel decides to make his play. He has A burn down a housing development of Eddie. So that's $3 million. And it's so obviously arson that they're not going to... Uh, the insurance no company. Ins the insurance would never pay, pay it off. 
But he's not worried. He's got, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars. He's a rich guy. Except, uh, at the same time, and this is the biggest scam we've heard of someone pulling, uh, all of the, it turns out all of his moves on the stock market, Eddie's that is. Okay, is, wait a minute, you missed sorry. number two. Oh, sorry, number two. Oh, yes, all of his yes, markers Mel, are called in. Mel, Mel has had all of Eddie's markers called yes, in. Yes, you're right. All gambling. of his markers called in for all of his gambles, because in addition to everything else, the man's a degenerate gambler. Yeah. If you didn't hate Eddie enough already, he's also a degenerate gambler. He's had all of his, you're right, part, point two is he's had all of his markers called in, so he's going to have to pay a lot of money very quickly. And again, he's a rich guy. He's not worried, except and this is the key, all of his money in the, is tied up in stocks in the stock market, and mm -hmm. all of his moves in the stock market are um, based on the fact that he owns a ton of Unidac Industries stock. And if that name sounds familiar to you, it's because Paul Patrice has a vacation home on Long Island right next to the chairman of Unidac Industries. <laughs> That's right. They uh, they called that back. They didn't forget. Yeah. It was a little nice touch. Everything's a nice touch on this show. Uh, <laughs> all of his... And so he has used his uh, connections. Mel has used his connections to make sure that a, uh, a shipment of parts for Unidax planes has been incredibly faulty and uh, causing them to violate their contracts with the U.S. military, the yep. terms of their contracts, and boom, they're not going to be a U.S. military contractor anymore. And that company is going to disappear overnight. Which, when you think about it, that's an incredibly huge thing for Mel to have accomplished. Well, but that's the impression you were supposed to get of Mel. Yes. That he is capable of... He, well, Moving they're smart enough to figure out... Yeah. But what, and this is the key part. This? The key part is it's never going to be explicitly said on the show because, again, it's a show that trusts its audience. But once again, this is something that is going to be explained later. Yeah. Like how Mel, you might wonder, how can Mel do something that huge? There's a reason for it. And you're going to find out later in the season. Yeah. But it's like, it's such a crazy huge thing to have accomplished to essentially destroy a McDonnell Douglas. Yeah. Right? Uh, to absolutely shatter this company. And just think about, like, this is a manufacturing company. This is a company that makes engines for planes, that makes missiles and all that. It probably has 80,000 employees. And Mel just essentially threw that company into re receivership as part of a plan so that he could own a baseball team. Yeah. Like think about the lives being destroyed yep. by something Mel is doing so casually in this scene. Again, it's, it's a horrifying episode. And no, it's a horrifying from the way the woman is treated yeah. from the way Mel is able to control all of these things. Yeah. And you, and it doesn't seem, it almost seems like a fairy tale. No one could have this much power. Yep. As we find out, there's a reason, as you say, there is a reason why he has this much power. Yep. And we and will find that out. Very soon. Very soon. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, very soon. We're only a couple of weeks away from really revealing where all of his power actually comes from. And it's, uh, it it is oh. it it is it is fascinating. I mean the the whole the whole setup. Um, yeah, it, yeah, you know, slowly but surely. Yeah, all of this stuff gets laid down one piece at a time. You learn more and more because again, I love that first half that first half season. Okay, uh, I I adore the first half season. But it is not the planning that goes into this second half of the season is just a completely different level yeah. than the Sunny Steel Grave stuff. Like only in, as we pointed out, with a deal's a deal, right? Only in the last three episodes of the season or four episodes of the season do they start setting up and paying off things. Like laying in, point, laying in hints earlier for stuff they're going to do later. Right, they they generally that's not something most TV shows worry about, and it's something even Wise Guy didn't really truck in until the end of the first season. Whereas this whole season is about setting up the end of the season, and that even more so than just having an arc. The fact that every every episode is knowingly building towards the end of the arc, like most. Most, you know, Buffy never had every episode build towards the end of the arc. There were filler episodes of Buffy. Yep. And there no, aren't. There are there filler aren't episodes. any filler episodes. No, between here. arcs, there are yeah, filler between episodes. Arcs. Yep. There are no filler episodes on Wise Guy until you end an arc and then you're right. Filler episodes that teach us a little about, about characters or, in the case of some of them, just waste our time. <laughs> And I have some harsh stuff to say about that third season. And yeah, well, the third season was, well, yeah. We all know about the third season. Yeah, so, well, all right, yeah. so it's okay. great. So now he is, uh, he has Roger lock up Eddie and say that, uh, Eddie, you're going to uh, come tomorrow morning. You know, you're going to be under investigation for stock manipulation and you're going to be, you got to get, you got Vegas hounding you. So you're going to be in trouble with the mob and you're going to be in trouble which is the Vancouver cops over burning down that housing development. But what he doesn't know is the thing that he is, Eddie is really going to be in trouble for is yeah. smuggling drugs from Mexico because yeah. Vinny told Frank and who's the CIA guy? Charles. Charles. And so they are digging into that digging into that time. and they're going to arrest eddie as he gets off the boat yeah which no is what going to have consequences as well later on of course mel and did this without understanding that well yeah. he had a secret he had a yeah spy. he had no idea that the one thing that was going to keep his plan from working right is that he's got a secret agent working in his organization and this is where it gets great because he sends uh already laughing right and so we get this really awful scene where mel just screams at the model for you said you wanted back in you can't even seduce this one scumbag yeah right you can't even keep this one scumbag happy what good are you and he tells Vinny to throw her off the boat and Vinny quite reasonably says that he has no intention of doing that. Yeah. So Mel pulls a gun on him. And Vinny has to stare down a loaded gun, saying that he won't do it under any circumstances. But, and this is the thing, 
this is how much Susan is in charge. That Vinny essentially has this get out of jail free card as long as Susan likes him. Yeah. And that's the key element that like, as long as Susan's on his side, he'll be Mel won't go all the way. Right. And I'm sure there's stuff he could do that would go too far and make Mel kill him. But fundamentally, if he's got Susan walking, uh, watching, uh, watching his back, (laughs) uh, Mel is never going to turn on his little sister. No. Ever. Like, that's the one thing Mel would never do under any circumstances. And I think, I think that's clear in the episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty clear that Vinny is sort of, and even Roger then is getting a pass. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Simply. Right? Yeah. Because. Yeah. Because of of Susan. Susan. Yeah. And yeah. And as you say, like, if you're not paying attention to the way the characters are looking at each other, to the way the characters, uh, the way the characters are talking to each other, you could miss the extent to which Susan is running things. Yeah. That she is running things every bit as much, and in some cases more than Mel is. Yeah. Because, because somebody has to run it when Mel goes off. Yeah. And he does that a lot. Yeah. He really does. And that's the fundamental part. Like he is constantly, he is a genius and he is great at manipulating people, but he can only hold it together for so long. So much of the management is actually being done by her. Yeah. Right. She is in control of this organization. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, what Susan says to a certain extent goes, they're going to come into direct conflict later, right? But, that That is going to factor in, but fundamentally that relationship doesn't change. It's, and it's what basically what is said. I yep. mean, what Mel says is that, you know, this isn't going to last forever. I mean, it's already, you you are foreshadowing what yep. will happen. You have to stay with me. This can't, this won't last forever. You have to stay with me till the end. Yeah. Oh, such a good scene. um, No, all of, all of the scenes are so good and so believable, notwithstanding what we said about um, Susan at the beginning. Oh yeah. You know, that, that the character and I don't know whose choice it is, but every now and then it would jar. But Mm -hmm. overall, I still think it's a B it's an A minus B plus performance. No, I think it's fair to say that this is Joan Severance, who I mean, it's a B performance of an A plus character. Yes. Is that horrible to say? No, it's not. And the writing is pretty good. And I think, but we also have to we can't here's the problem. We right? have to do some filling in the blanks as part of the problem. Because yes, so of much part. of the story isn't explained. Part of it is is the writing, right? Yeah. Part of it is the direction. Like, and who knows what Canell's overall view of this of Susan is? Right. You know that, or does he? And as I said, this is we'll talk about it again at the end. It's okay. Is this she? She plays it. Does she have sort of a slightly? Uh, she's got serious issues herself, of course. Yeah. As well, you know, if we haven't figured that one out, I mean, she's very attached to her brother. Yep. 
right? And um, so that's part of the problem. Oh, anyway, we'll get to that later. But she, so sometimes, and is it just, and I'd have to think about this, and as we go forward, we should watch for this. Is there the way she behaves with everybody else and the way she behaves around Mel? Yeah. And they are very different. And the real Susan is maybe the way she belong, behaves around Mel and everything else is in service. Is a performance of some is kind. Is a performance of one kind or another. And the problem is the lines are getting crossed with Vinny. Yeah. And that, and, that is going to come up in the subsequent the, episodes, literally and, next week. And as, as, as uh, to quote Mel, the toes know. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Because he even said that, God, even he said that around the, you know, around the, in, in the previous episode. Yeah, he did. It was quoted. Yeah. It was quoted as he said, I don't know what he meant, but. But he said, only the toes knows. (laughs) The toes I know. Oh God, such a fantastic character. And then at the end of the episode, it all comes crashing down uh, because the. Eddie gets arrested for his drug connection and he gets rushed into witness protection by the U.S. government, hoping to testify against Mel. Although I'm sure, I mean, any lawyer would say he does not have, like, he's not going to have a lot of proof of what Mel did. But it would give, but he would be able to give them a lot of understanding. Oh, no, insight into Mel's organizations. Yeah. But the problem is, as we've seen, he only knows about Mel's drug operations. And as Mel always says, that's, that's 2% of my business. Yep. You know? (laughs) But you're right. He can give, he, Eddie Van Platt would be able to give them insight into how his drug operations work, but he ain't a drug dealer anymore. Oh, but if they could get him on the, well, yeah, but if. They could take no, no. him down on drug dealing because you know what's happening. Oh, okay, I know what's so, happening. But, but the FBI doesn't know what's happening. Nobody else knows what's happening. Yeah. And they would No, think- no, they honestly, oh yeah, absolutely. They think that this is a good, um, that this is a good route into getting Mel. Yeah. It's not, but they think it is. Well, of course they do. And it does. And they, they do certainly think that if they can just get Mel on the drug stuff, then the other things he's doing... They can doing, unravel everything else. Yeah. Now, you know, as we will find out, that's going to be almost impossible. But, I mean, it we'll makes sense. We'll talk about it when we get there. Oh, no. The, the character's actions. Yeah. And that's the key part. The character's actions all make perfect sense. Yeah. There like, no one is making a mistake. Everyone is doing the right thing in every situation. It just doesn't matter. And that's the genius of the writing here. Yeah. So, but the, the tragic thing for Mel, though is because Eddie just got arrested for being a drug dealer. A great big pall has been cast over the fact that Major League Baseball was about to let him let a drug dealer have a team. So when Mel comes in and says, it's my team now, all of the other owners get together and they say, no, and no. And it's a private organization that here's a fun fact is exempt from antitrust laws. Weird. That's a true fact. It is a jigs. The organization of Major League Baseball is legally exempt from antitrust laws. It's and weird. so all of these other rich guys get together and say, we don't want to be associated with a guy who has a shady connection to this drug dealer, Eddie Van Flat, just because you're an arms dealer. You bought it from a drug dealer. We don't like the look of you. You can't have the team. 
Yep. And the one thing that Mel can't get is he can't get the Major League Baseball organization to sign off on it. It's the one thing he can't have. And, of course, that leads to another suicidal depression with Mel. Yeah. Because that is how far he goes. He is manic-depressive. He goes from the highest possible highs early in the episode to literally as low as we've ever seen him at the end of this episode. Yeah. Like, it's a tour de force performance from everyone. It's Mm -hmm. incredibly revelatory about a bunch of the characters, and it moves the plot along leaps and bounds. This is one of... It's brutal to watch. Oh, and just to be clear... Vinny gets the model off the yacht safe. We haven't mentioned this. And she realizes how incredibly wrong she was to try and get back into this life. And goes back home to try and figure out what to do next with her life. She said, I do have choices. Yeah. She realizes that she isn't just stuck in these behaviors. She can go and she can do something smart. Particularly because when Mel wants to shoot Vinny, Vinny just says, no, there are some things I won't do. I have oh, yeah. choices because Mel says to him, you have no choice. And Vinny says, yes, I do. Yeah. I always have a choice. I can't control what you're going to do. I can only control what I'm going to do. Yeah. And there you go. And that's again, an unbelievably important theme for this half of a season. Yeah. <clears throat> everybody always has a choice. Yep. You don't have to go along with this stuff. You always have a choice. All right. So just, just a masterpiece bit of work done this week. It's fantastic. Um, even even though it wasn't a Roger heavy, heavy episode, he gets a fantastic scene throwing ball bearings at a woman's head. Yep. Like, it's a great scene there. Like, that whole scene is amazing. <clears throat> and kudos to the actress who didn't flinch. Yeah, flinch <laughs> with these ball bearings coming at her. I mean, I know in real life, they were, like, the camera was right next to her and she could see that, like, a slingshot was aiming nowhere near her face. But yeah. it's still scary. <laughs> it's still got to be intense oh god but just an amazing episode all around services all of the characters moves the plot forward i honestly like if the end of this season wasn't so incredible uh-huh. i would put this in the running for the best episode of the, the arc i love this episode so much oh well i think it is in the it'll still be in the running even if the end is you know, but I'm just saying, you know yeah. how good the ending of this season is. Oh, yeah. Wow. But yeah, I mean, it's still, you're right. It's still in the running. It's just, I happen to think this season ends as strongly as a season of television has ever ended. Yeah. And that's, that's saying something because the Steel Grave arc ended really strong. Oh, like, God, did it ever. Yeah. Oh, my God. But I mean, when you get to the end of this season... Well, again, we find out what the whole season, once we find out what the season was actually about the whole time, that's uh-huh. when it starts paying off. All right. So, uh, obviously, we'd like you to join us back here next week. We're going to be watching episode 115 and 116, which is Merchant of Death and Not for Nothing. Yep. Merchant of Death is important because it's the first episode. Like, we've heard all this stuff about arms dealing and where they get their money. It's the first episode to actually be about that. Yeah. And then not for nothing is, uh, you know what? Yeah, let's just people not be surprised by that one. Yeah, not for nothing. <laughs> uh, we'll, uh, we'll let people be surprised by that one's about, because I don't think anybody saw that coming, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think nobody saw that one coming. No, uh, and that's... I was, when you were watching this the first time, who could have imagined that? But brief cameo by Patrick McKenna. So. 
by Patrick McKenna, like T from TV's Red Green, from TV's Traitors, like beloved comedic actor Patrick McKenna shows up at the start of this episode, and it is delightful. Well, you know, it is Vancouver. It is Vancouver, you're and right. They, they do have some Canadian yeah. Well, no, like legally, have... if you want to film in Vancouver, you got to hire some Canadian actors. <laughs> Not some, many, yeah. but you, you do have to, you do legally under union rules, have to fire, hire some local actors. And Patrick McKenna is one of the actors they hired. Oh, God. But anyway, so two great episodes coming up. Very important. And then once those two episodes go... The show just hits the gas full speed, racing towards the end of the season. Yeah. Like, it is, you don't get to take a breath for the five episodes after this episode, after these two. So, enjoy your last chance to take a breath. <laughs> <coughs> yes. Perfect time to, perfect time to <laughs> cough. No notes. Uh, <laughs> all right so we'll see you back here for that next week for now i'd like to say as always thanks for listening if you have any questions comments or if there's any profiling related fiction you think we should check out please drop us a line at profiling criminal minds at gmail.com we would love to hear from you uh we are going to be back here next week as we said if you're listening to this on some sort of a uh app or podcaster, be sure to rate and review because that is how people, new people, find the show. Uh, so, see you next week. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.